Welcome back, everybody. We're wrapping up the week talking to yet another Canadian actor. I love Canadian actors, you know that. Uh, somebody from Toronto, Bobby Del Rio. He's an actor, he's a writer, he's a producer. He's doing all sorts of stuff, and he's a playwright as well. So we'll talk to Bobby about all of it and uh, see what comes up. Welcome to the program, Bobby. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Where are you? You're in Chicago? Yeah, Chicago, which is you know very similar to Toronto in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's funny. I remember I had... um. I won this playwriting competition in New York when I was 24 mm -hmm. and there was a Chicago playwright who told me that Toronto was very similar to Chicago in terms of sort of size and logistics. Yeah. Uh, have you been to Chicago yet? I have been to Chicago. Um, I loved it. Giordano's deep dish, man. I used to work for Giordano's. I used to be Did a pizza, pizza delivery boy for Giordano's in, uh, in Niles uh, or Morton Grove, uh, Illinois, if anybody's interested. So, Dude, that's um, like my crack. Oh my God, it, I love it. It was, it was for me when I used to work there. And the funny thing is, is I, you know, I'm an immigrant. I came here at 14. So, you know, there was no pizza when I was, uh, when I was growing up in Ukraine. There's no pizza or a concept of it. Um, so when I came and then, you know, a number of years later, I kind of started uh, working. That really was my first time trying pizza. So Giordano's was my you know, pizza uh, kind of uh, experience. And then of course I got hooked on it completely. Oh dude, you can't eat pizza after Giordano's. It's, it's tough because it's really, really good. <laughs> so I've, uh, I'm still- Can, you, can you eat one? Like, can you eat like a full deep dish by yourself in one sitting? I, I've never tried it, nor would I suggest people yeah. do that. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, no, it's, uh, it's, Giordano's was cool. And then there's this, you know, of course, in, in anything, there are, there's going to be competition and people are hating on each other. So Giordano's and Eduardo's and Giordano's and, you know, uh, Pizzeria Uno and some of the other ones are like, you know. At, at, no, yeah. no, Giordano, we know where it's at. We know where it's at. For me, it is Giordano's. So people, if, if you want to hate, please put, post your comments right below. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, again, going back to Toronto, I've been in Toronto, um, three or four times, and especially the lakefront, uh, I, I found it really similar to Chicago. And then kind of as you go inwards into Toronto, it's different because mm -hmm. you have a lot more kind of condominiums, whereas we don't as much. So it's, there are some, uh, some kind of differences, but overall it was really similar. to. I love the architecture in Chicago too. I did that architectural boat tour. Yeah. Fantastic, man. It's, we still do it. Again, I've lived here for 30 years. Uh, we still do it, uh, you know, every few years we go because there's always new stuff that you're learning. It's just, mm -hmm. it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Uh, once, knock on wood, you know, COVID is, is going to go bye-bye at some point. Uh, please come come on over and, and visit. Um, yeah. It's, it's a really, really, really. We'll split really a Giordano's deep dish. Hey, uh, I, we have a Giordano's not far from where I live. So uh, absolutely, come on down. You know, coming. Like I'm coming. Like I, you, maybe you hey. say that to everybody, but like I'm coming. Sounds good. You, you know where to find me. So uh, we're, we're, we'll set it up maybe right. next year sometime. Let's hope. Not gonna yeah, work. I know. Jeez, man. Yeah. Uh, we, I think yesterday, I don't know what the, what the latest COVID numbers in Chicago are, but uh, I think in Illinois, the day before we, we almost hit 15,000 cases. It's, it's really man. Are you guys like locked down or how, what's happening there? Kinda. So I'm not in the city, I'm outside in the suburbs. So Chicago, uh, since Monday of this week, put in a stay at home order. And then the state of Illinois in general, starting today, 
put in more restrictions and kind of, uh, you know, no, no gatherings, uh, can't use the, uh, like, health clubs, can't have fitness classes. Uh, I think there is a lot of restrictions in restaurants and, uh, you know, movie theaters and stuff like that. So I think we're kind of, we're not at stay at home level, but we're, yeah. we're getting close to it. Some is exactly the same in Toronto. Yeah, but the number the numbers are, are quite different. What's what's the latest COVID uh, cases in Toronto now? Well, I don't know. It's getting up there, man. It's like I keep hearing now. It's like thousands. It used to be like oh, 10, 20, and then it's like oh, a couple hundred. Now I just keep hearing thousands. Of like uh, yeah, it's it's not good. Um, and hopefully, again, vaccines are coming. So uh, hopefully, in a you know two or six months, uh, all that stuff will kind of. Uh, go away, but yeah, it's, there's been a lot of suffering this year. Um, yeah. Getting back to suffering, you know, both of us are actors, so suffering <laughs> is, is, is not a new thing. That was good. You can end the episode right there. I think so. I kind of like that segue. That was great. Yeah. Wow. So you and I, I mean, I'm I'm a little older than you are by just a few years. How, how, how old are you? I'm 45, and you're 42 or 43 now. Jeez, man, you, you're like fucking Geraldo Rivera here, like. Where'd you, where'd you find that out? Uh, it's again before the show uh, and getting ready for it. You know, I you know, I go to IMDb Pro, which is my you know my home away from home, uh, and then I go to YouTube and I go to your channel. I go to kind of the interviews that you have done and uh, and do my research. So, uh, in so you already the, know everything there is to know about me. Definitely not. And uh, I um <laughs> that's that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on because. Here's what I saw, you know, in one of the interviews, going back to the age you mentioned, I think it was last year that you did it and you said you were 42. You know, I'm, I'm not a math wizard, but that part I can do. Um, yeah. And then uh, what I like is that you're very open and you're, you're, mm. you're, you're going to tell it like it is. And that's what I like. I, I want to talk to people who, A, love acting, which I know you do. Mm. Uh, B, love talking about the craft and the, you know, the parts of acting of the techniques aspects of it uh, mm -hmm. which i know you do and then being open-minded uh the fact that you're not going to just give uh, a you know five cent answer you're going to get in there oh, no. i'm then, a little too i'm a little too open you know like i approve everyone who facebook requests me and it leads yeah. to a never-ending series of shit shows but yeah. i find it entertaining yeah. so i'm like eh. why not it's it's life right so yeah well, you have, you have, I think you have a thicker skin than I do. So uh, I, I don't do that anymore. Uh, you're doing better than I can. Well, you know what it is, man. It's like, I, you know, it's not like I'm famous or anything. Like we don't have like a star system in Canada, but you know, I had a documentary crew follow me around in university. Right. So I, I you know, I've kind of been in the public eye kind of for like over 20 years. Yeah. And when you get that kind of attention and it's been steady for like literally since I, I don't know, like for, for over 20 years, mm -hmm. you just get used to sort of people kind of knowing your name or who you are. And you have all these weird interactions because people don't see you as like a, a person anymore. Like you're, you're kind of a commodity. Really? Um, but I, you know, there's two things like I, some people like they freak out and they get a big head about it. Me, I, I don't like I, I keep myself very grounded and I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> like it's like all these weird things. Like people are very, very mysterious, um, and maybe that's partly my artistic inclination. Like I love to watch people, mm. but the way people will treat you when they read about you or see an interview with you, 
um, it's it's quite a unique perspective, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's interesting that you say that you know kind of there's no star system in uh, in Canada. One of my you know very good friends uh, who's a Canadian actor, Sujith uh, Varagis, who's in. Oh, yeah, I know Sujith. We work together. Yep. Uh, so he says that you know being a Canadian actor is a little bit like being in a witness protection program, uh, <laughs> you know, which which I find uh, I find hilarious. But it's from a from the states uh, side, right? We know a ton of Canadian actors, but we really know them because they're in the American productions. Yes. And we think we know Canadian actors, but it's because you guys are coming down or the productions are you know, shot uh, there in Toronto or Vancouver. Whereas I think in Canada, until the streaming services came in, you guys didn't start getting as, uh, you know, the notoriety that you should be getting. So have you seen that right. change for you? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, it's such a, that's such a brilliant observation. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because obviously I'm in Toronto, you're in Chicago. Yeah. I've got this feature film, The Market, I wrote, directed, and I've been getting press in the UK. I've been getting press um, in Arizona. I've been getting press now in Chicago, um, even other places in Canada. And it's funny because before, and I, it's, it's, it's interesting that you called me out on that because you're right. Because it's almost like there, there was this sort of absence of a star system. Mm -hmm. But now with YouTube and the sort of democratization of media, um, I can access international media outlets in a way that I just was never able to before. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's, there's so much talent in, in, uh, in Canada. And the reason why I got to know Sujith is because even though I've seen him before, you know, Suits is one of my favorite shows and I remember mm -hmm. the episode, but it didn't, you know, I didn't quite put two and two together. I, I really kind of got to know him as I started watching Kim's Convenience. And right, the right. only reason why Kim's Convenience was on is because it's on Netflix. So same right. thing with, uh, with Schitt's Creek. Uh, I started watching Schitt's Creek before it kind of became the big phenomena that it deserves to be. But it was because of pop. And it's available here. So I started watching it and then I introduced other people to it. My daughter introduced me to Kim's. So like uh, some of the stuff is starting to come in. And now Transplant is an NBC. So I, I think that's awesome. Well, it's so funny too, right? Because here, especially in Toronto, like we all know each other. Like I did a play with Sujit at the Factory Theater in 2005, you know, called Tideline. And like Gene and Paul, who are the stars of Kim's Convenience, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, all went, we all went to TIFF together. We starred in a short film called Unlocked in 2009. Like we all, we all know each other. We're all like friends and we work together. But then now that it, it's, it's, it's again, this democratization of media, like Americans are starting to get to know us, UK, all these different countries are starting to access Canadian products. Yeah. And it's like, there's almost like this newfound attention that we're all like, oh, like you, you know about us? <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, uh, by the way, Gene, uh, uh, Paul, they're all awesome. Gene was, uh, was born in Chicago. Uh, or the, you know, yeah, uh, she's, she's from Illinois. She, uh, I think she even went to school here uh, before I'm moving out there. So, she has uh, helped me so much, man. Like, like she was one of my first advocates. Like, she helped get me an agent, and she's she's been really helpful to me my whole life. She, yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to speak to her yet. Uh, neither, you know, with Paul from from Kim's, I talked to th three people, uh, but yeah. you know, I'm I'm still working my way through. Um, it just, Gene seems like a really, really sweet, uh, uh, person. So that's, that's kind of my, oh yeah, story. she's a legend. It, it's funny because she had this post before where she's played, like, so I'm half Chinese. Okay. So she's played my mom. She played my mom in that short film unlocked. Cool. Um, and she has played 
moms for, I, I don't know if it was like 20 or 30 different Asian actors. And she had like tagged all of us. And, but wow. she's really a legend. I mean, you know, I remember even like, um, like she's Korean and I'm part Chinese, but I, I love Korean food. Mm-hmm. So there's my favorite place is called Kimchi House in Toronto. And I guess it's Jean. So good. Sorry. But I, I think it's Jean's favorite as well. And then I just randomly ran into the, her um, with our mutual friend, Millie Tom, who's a, a casting director. And then she just like paid for my lunch. She pulled one of those moves. She just paid for my, I was like, what? That's Jean Yu. That's that's very sweet. Um, I love that show, by the way. That's it's <clears throat> it's one of my favorite comedies of all time now. <laughs> wow. Because again, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, a lot of the Canadian shows that I've seen uh, seem to combine something very unique. And what it is, it's it's really funny, uh, but it has a lot of heart, and it's set in this a little bit alternate reality where everybody gets along. So it's, right. it's that part where obviously there's conflict, but it's where we as a society should be striving to be. Mm. And that's what I found in Schitt's Creek. I found that same thing in Kim's Convenience. And I love that because it's, it's such a pleasure to watch because mm. you want that to be the reality. You want all the diversity to be uh, just talking to each other like we're normal people, which we are. And stop all this divisiveness, which you know our country is going through uh, a lot yeah. uh, these days. So that's what I found about Canadian shows. Uh, I, I cannot say that that's the same thing with all of the Canadian shows, but that is with every one that I have watched so far. Well, Toronto is really like that, right? Like Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities in the world. Yeah. We have many, many, like basically every culture, right, represented and we all i mean obviously not every single person can get along but for the most part it's very normal for many many different people from many different backgrounds to interact so you you stop seeing people as like the other right we we should be getting there anyway right i mean this is so pathetic uh but you mentioned uh i actually did not know that so the Geraldo rivera and me did not know i didn't get (laughs) to your cultural and ethnic uh, background so you said right. you're part uh, Chinese. What's the other part? Uh, Italian. <clears throat> Italian. Very cool. So yeah. um, from an acting perspective, did you find that that became an asset for you or a liability, the fact that you could be ethnically ambiguous and you can play somebody, I'm not you know, trying to profile you, but somebody that yeah. can play uh, somebody from uh, a Latin background, somebody who can play Asian, somebody who can play you know, white. So there's all sorts of things that uh, you are able to do from a casting perspective. It's a very intelligent question. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer uh, is um, complex. So, mm-hmm. yes, you're right. Um, because I'm mixed, I can you can kind of slot me into a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, especially because when I first started, I was certainly one of the only um, half Asian actors in the industry. There's quite a few now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if it's just, you know, my, my mother and father were one of the first interracial couples in terms of an Asian and a white person having children. But I, when I was growing up, it was very, very unique and uncommon where like literally my whole life, I have many stories of people like stopping me on the street and being like, oh yeah, yeah. It was like a constant, it became such a thing that when people 
would ask me the inevitable first question, which is, what is your background? I would say, guess. And I would play a game. Let's, let, let's pause for a second. Sure. Why would that be an inevitable first question? Because why, why is that a thing? <laughs> it just was. It just, okay. it just like, I, it's happened to me, I would, think, I would say 500 times okay. in my life that the first thing somebody said to me is, what, what is your, and I always know what's coming. It, I, I, and it's not like I would get angry or something, but it was just, it was odd, right? Because yeah. I don't think everyone had that experience. And that to the point where literally to me, it's inevitable. That's the first question that they would ask. Um, and so as an actor, it became interesting. So at the beginning of my career, I would play native on a television show. I would play Spanish. I would play Asian. Although what's funny is now I'm 42. I am established in the industry and, you know, I have a pretty good resume. But actually, in a way, it's more challenging because the industry has transmogrified in a way where they're really looking for accurate representation culturally, which is good because, you you know, there's more people now. It's like if you're doing a Korean show, you want Korean, right? If you want a Latino person, you want Latino. But they're, ver- they're being so specific now that um, I actually get squeezed out. So if I was to – I couldn't play native even though I could pass for it because I'm not native. And so that's offensive, right? Even though I used to audition for Latin all the time, I'm not. So yeah. now that's offensive. I'm not, I'm I, like, there's been times there was like a director who wanted me to audition for a Japanese role and I'm half Chinese. And then the casting director was like, oh, well, he could never pass for Japanese. And the director was like, yes, he can. They had a fight over me. But so it's like, my actual ethnicity now yeah. is part of the equation for whether or not I get cast. Wow. And then I'm like, well, how many people are fucking casting Chinese Italians? You don't see that in a breakdown, right? So it's Dude, very absurd. There, there is a show in there just on your own. I, I know you're a writer. Oh, maybe, maybe a right one. Well, this is it, right? So I ha- like, actually, it's funny you say that because my next project is a web series I've co-written with Megan Larson, who's a 22-year-old prodigy and I'm one of the lead roles, and I'm playing Chinese-Italian. Nice. There you go. That's very cool. Um, because it is an interesting com- uh, conversation. I, I mean, from, from my perspective, my curiosity goes to, well, you know, what language was spoken at home outside of English? Right. So that's, that's my question. If, if you want to answer that, I would want Oh, to. sure. Well, I mean, my dad is from Rome, right? So he moved here when he was 13. So he, like, it, it, Italian is his first language, but he also actually spoke French and spanish and english my mother's chinese but she was born here so she doesn't speak mandarin or cantonese okay um so it's it's very funny because actually my mother is sort of fluent in italian now (laughs) and she's chinese yeah but she doesn't know a word of of mandarin or Cantonese. so she would just order like combo e from the mandarin and that's her link to her culture but then she swears in italian you're like that's awesome what is happening that's very, very cool. Have you had a chance to visit Italy yet? I have. Okay. Um, I, so actually, it's funny because I'm watching Rome now on HBO. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's funny because I have all these conquerors in my blood, right? In mm-hmm. China and Italy. Um, her, I just recently, it was actually, a, I was dating a, a Taiwanese woman who taught me about um, the Cultural Revolution. I was like, what? What's that? And I'm just like, oh, my God, like, there's so many 
conquerors, murderers in my bloodline. Like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, but again, it's it's not you. That's just um, you know the the heritage part. Um, That's what you think. <laughs> All right, and now this guy wants to come over to Chicago, right? Now I'm yeah, having exactly. second thoughts. <laughs> I can stay at your place. That's gonna be fun. Yes, we're locked down the basement. <laughs> yeah. Freaking me out. Uh, anyway, that's that's very funny. Um, how did you enjoy Rome? I am assuming you've you've, you've been to Rome. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I was I think 15 years old, but you know, it's pretty amazing. Like you go downtown, the Colosseum is just there. Yep. And it's like, this thing is like thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. And it's just like downtown Toronto, we have like the Eaton Center, you know, it's like a big shopping mall. Yep. And downtown Rome is, is you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. When you just feel it, you feel history mm -hmm. in, in the city, like in the culture. Yeah. Uh, I, I like Rome. I've been there three times, I think. And uh, it's it's such a juxtaposition of everything. It's uh, mm -hmm. I, I really kind of enjoyed uh, enjoyed watching it. But you know, my my memories of Rome. It's basically everybody smokes. There's gelato on every corner, and you have the beautiful architecture. So that's that's, that's, that's nailed it. Pretty much the three things. Oh, and uh, and the Italian food in Rome is completely different from the Italian food that we have in the states. So oh, like, yeah because we eat Italian food all the time. It's, it's really prevalent here and going to Rome and then going to Florence, going to Venice, uh, going to these uh, areas and trying to eat authentic Italian food. It's completely different. Like much, it's much better. Yeah. And they would be laughing at us. We, you know, we, we try to find lasagna on the menu. They're like, no, lasagna is what you know, our mother makes on Saturday, throwing all the stuff that's left over. Well, that's not going to yeah. be something that we're eating. Are you kidding? Okay, fine. <laughs> I will admit the time I felt the most comfortable in Rome, that makes a lot of sense now that we're having this discussion, is when we found the Chinese restaurant in Rome. Yeah. I was like, finally, I'm back home with the Chinese Italians. Yeah. Did you try, uh, did you try the pizza there, uh, especially oh, in the yeah. Vatican? The potato pizza. Thank you. That's Thank you. Best. Thank you. You can't That's... get it here. Absolutely not. And I had a potato and shrimp uh, pizza. I'm like, that's, it's perfect. Uh, we went by the Vatican and you just go, uh, you know, there are so many places around and you're looking at the menu and you're like, oh my God, these are none of the flavors that we have here in the States. So I went crazy. I, I absolutely loved it. Oh yeah. There's like an authentic cuisine there that you, you just can't replicate it. Yeah. Anyway, going going back to acting. So um, I'm so hungry now after this conversation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I just had lunch, so uh, I'm I'm all good to go. I'm just drinking my tea. It's all good on this. Right. Um, so you you know I know you've been in the business for about 20 years, and uh, you graduated with a theater degree from uh, from Toronto and. Um, yeah. Sheridan, I think, right? This day school? Yes. Yeah, it was um, the University of Toronto at Mississauga and Sheridan mm -hmm. College. They have a joint program. So right. I got a degree and a diploma at the same time. Very cool. And when did, again, I know, I know you're a prolific writer as well, and you, you do mm -hmm. a lot of stuff on the writing side. So which kind of started first for you? Was it the acting or the writing or are they both? Uh, you know, Definitely acting. I, I went to school uh, to train as an actor. Mm -hmm. 
um, you know, we studied Shakespeare and Chekhov and Ibsen and singing and dancing and all those things. And then um, I remember that I was in a, I was in a play um, written by a fellow student who's also half Chinese, uh, Dave Yi, which was, you know, shocking to me, but really interesting. And he was a year older um, and he had written this play and then he cast me and then we were both leads in this student written play that did really well at this sort of inter university um, sort of theater festival. Mm -hmm. And it did really well. And I remember thinking, man, like you can write uh, your own play. And then, um, and then I tried it mm -hmm. and then I, I did the play and I got uh, somebody wrote it. It was a very, my first play was a very weird play called name it yourself. And it was this really, you know, rebellious, like literally I was like, name it yourself, man. Like I refuse to name my play for your gratification. Like it, it was really pretentious in retrospect, um, you know, but I was like 19 or whatever. Um, but I remember I got an article about me in iWeekly, which was this sort of independent magazine that did a lot of theater um, coverage. And, uh, it's, and they thought it was really interesting. And then my second play was called When Children Fall. And then I ended up producing it at that same festival where I'd first appeared in Dave's show. Mm -hmm. And I won um, a playwriting award. Cool. And then after that, I was, because I never really thought of myself as a writer. I was just like something to do. And then after that, everyone kind of referred to me as a writer. I was like, all right. And then I remounted that play, became a, a major hit in Toronto theater. Mm -hmm. And then from there, like essentially the publicity and opportunities have never stopped. And that's, that was in the nineties. So. Very cool. And then yeah. I think, uh, um, I mean, you did act in the States as well. So what was, uh, what was yeah. your first role? Was it with, uh, with Jeff? Uh, that was your first role? Yeah. You know, what's funny is that my first time on set um, for a movie was, was opposite Jeff Daniels mm -hmm. uh, on HBO called Cheaters. And I have never said this publicly, but fuck it. So I was act. so I played a stoner and I was actually high <laughs> when I did the scene, which, and I'm not like, you know, a big drug user or anything, but at the time I just was, and it was very weird. Cause it was like my first big movie and mm -hmm. I was just in the one scene and it's like Jeff Daniels who, and I, you know, I love like dumb and dumber and like it's followed his career. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like working with him. It's like, and that's like, I'm laughing obnoxiously in Jeff Daniels face over and over and over again, every take, but I'm high. Right. So, and it, so it's already like a discombobulating experience, but then you, you throw in marijuana and like, there, like I remember the boom op, you know, the boom. They're just the guys. They hold, they hold the the sound, right? You know, and it freaked me out like so much. <laughs> and I was like, "Who's that guy?" What? So, young actors, don't get high your first day on set. Yeah, I do not recommend it. Wait till the last day. <laughs> wait, wait till the wrap. This is going to destroy my entire career, by the way. But it's fine. <laughs> Dude, nobody's watching. Uh, yeah. uh, that's that's hilarious. I so it's you know Jeff. Jeff probably thought, hey, you know, either this dude is high or he's really <laughs> not it. Yeah, I think he didn't know what the hell to make of me. He's just like, all right, what? Because then even after it was actually very interesting, because um, he's like super famous, right? Yeah. And but 
so he's a star of this film. Very, very good actor, right? Actually, Jenna Malone was in that that movie. Like, it was a really, really good cast. Mm-hmm. It was very well done. But I remember it was it was very interesting because Jeff Daniels is just kind of there in between takes. He's just kind of chilling, and then nobody would talk to him. It was like, it was kind of like Jeff Daniels is here, and then there's all this crew and cast and extras. Like it was a major major production, it's HBO, right? Yeah. And and no one was talking to him. And then at one point I was like, "Hey, how's your day going?" <laughs> he kind of just looked at, like he was like surprised that someone spoke to him. Yeah. But he wasn't like rude or mean or anything. He was just kind of like surprised. And then, but I think he liked it. I think it was, I just talked to him as a human, sort of like actor to actor, like, how you, like, how you doing? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm a little tired. I'm like, yeah, I hear you, man. But it was really interesting to have this moment of just human connection mm-hmm. in this, in this sort of world of, of celebrity and HBO. And mm-hmm. I think at that point, the marijuana had been wearing off. But I don't really remember. Like maybe if I didn't smoke that joint, like I wouldn't have spoken to him. Yeah. But he's he is a tremendous actor. Uh, I I didn't really? appreciate him uh, until I saw Newsroom, mm-hmm. and uh, I he's just incredible. He's a very normal guy too, right? Yeah. Like he's just he's just a guy who's who happens to be really good at acting, right? There's there's just there was no drama there was no diva any like it's it's like he's there to work and he you know it's it's very inspired i've worked with like a few celebrities mm-hmm. um and you know the people who last when you work with them like you mm-hmm. really get it right it's like they're very professional mm-hmm. yeah um and it's interesting that you mentioned the boom and uh, you know getting picked out by it. uh you did uh and i don't know I mean, a while later, obviously, you started uh, kind of uh, doing workshops and helping actors understand mm. the business of acting. Uh, yes. Because, you know, a lot of people go through the uh, through the drama program and it doesn't deal at all with what it's like on set. Uh, it doesn't deal at all with what uh, the reality of the acting business is, what the resumes are, you know, who the agents are, what the difference between, you know, a casting director <clears throat> and a manager. Uh, some people confuse those. I don't know why, but uh, I've, I've heard that before. So, like, well, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I would say often it's because, in my view, many of the teachers have limited professional experience, not to malign them, but that's kind of why they're teaching, mm-hmm. right? Not, and I think that there's a real place for teaching the craft of acting. I don't want to disparage that as a profession. But I will say, I remember there were times, uh, I won't say names, where where there were certain, you know, I've studied with many, many teachers mm-hmm. uh, my whole life. Uh, it's sort of an ongoing thing, right? The craft, you're in a perpetual state of learning. I, I think if you're, if you're humble enough to keep growing as an artist, yep. but there have been certain people where I've literally had to correct them in front of a class because they'll, they'll go and tell me, well, actually this is what it's like an audition and that they're lying because they've never done it. And then I've had to be like, well, actually that's not true because I had an audition last week yeah. And that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the part where, you know, you feel like a jackass, but it's really about the students and you don't want to set anybody on the wrong path and give them the information that will be. Uh, right. Because... Diff- if you have a difference of opinion, that's one thing. But there have been situations where people were fully lying because they've never done it. So there, it's so there's just 
I guess, guessing, but it's just your guess is bad and, and you're trying and you're giving people bad advice. We're very impressionable where you don't actually know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'll, I'll shut up. So moving on. Uh, it's, it's something that I think needs to be changed. It needs to be changed. I, I hear way too often people getting out of these name programs and not knowing what a mark is. Uh, I think that's mm -hmm. pathetic. And you cannot be charging people tens of thousands of dollars and spend time with them over years and not fill in the gaps because they, you're teaching them not just so they can enjoy it as a hobby. You're teaching them so they can have a career. You cannot have a career if you don't understand all aspects of it or how to actually get there. So it needs to be something that changed. I never went to drama school. Uh, my parents did not let me go to college uh, for, uh, for acting. So all of the stuff that I picked up were from workshops and from um, acting schools that are outside. And all of those acting schools are run by professionals. And they're run by people who are specific of, you know, here's what auditioning is. Here's what on camera is. You know, here are the things you need to know. Uh, workshops with casting directors, workshops with, uh, you know, producers. So like a lot of the stuff where I came into it, I was ready for the business end of it, but there were no classes to this day where I keep on wondering when somebody's going to create it. If they don't, I'm going to have to. Uh, there were no classes of what it's actually like on set because when you get on set and you have that boom, and I keep on using this story, but to me it was, it was weird. Right? I'm used to the you know, lights, camera, action. That's not how it works. You're going to hear like speeding. Uh, and then you're trying to figure out what the hell is speeding. You know, should I be you know, looking out to make sure I don't get run over? Uh, it's, it's, there are so many aspects to it of the different types of shots, the, the coverages. You know, how do you actually remain uh, focused and not burn through all of your energy on set when you're just sitting there? and waiting on an overnight uh, shot. Uh, all of the acting pieces, you kind of tend to forget because at that point, you know, at three o'clock in the morning, you're just trying to make sure that you remember your lines, forget the whole fact of who am I, why am I here, who am I talking to? Like all of these things, people need to be prepared. And mm -hmm. I did not see that. The best thing that ever helped me as an actor uh, for film and television, because theater acting and film and television acting are different. I started doing a lot of theater acting. Um, is is directing right? Is like so once I started directing, like really this film, the market, right? My my feature film, because I really I had a lot of theater experience, and that was my best play. But I'd never really directed a film, not for real. So I learned a lot um, from my team. Um, but after that experience, when I started to work as an actor on set, because I knew what everything meant like I knew who all the roles were I knew where I fit into the, as an act it's like you can anticipate um actually coverage you can anticipate problems and sometimes you know when I've worked on set uh, actually quite a bit after that experience you start to know when things are going wrong or people are stressed or why things are, are off yeah. and then for me it's it's almost I mean maybe this is uh, somewhat gauche to say, but I know when to shut the fuck up, right? It's like, I know when the director's about to snap because, you know, like that, they've had to do seven takes of this thing and then that's not going to cut and uh-oh, they made this mistake. And I'm like, okay, 
they do not need to know that I have this question. Let me just do the work and make it really, really easy for them um, and be no drama at all. Like sometimes you can get the director's attention and sometimes the best thing you can do as an actor is, is be prepared. And as you say, like know your lines, do the work, hit your marks. It's true. It's, uh, it's, it just, it, you have to have experience in it. Uh, and uh, until you do, it, it all will not really settle in or make any sense. I, I was talking to, um, uh, to, you know, Michael Devine, who, uh, who's in the show with, uh, um, with Keith, no, Keith or Sutherland. Yeah, mm -hmm. Keith Sutherland and um, a few other people. And he was talking about the, the main actress whose name escapes me again. Um, she was married to Tom Cruise. Um, what is her name? I'm an idiot. Nicole Kidman? Yes, Nicole Kidman. So he was talking about Nicole Kidman and saying that you could see the incredible professionalism of here's a wide shot and this is her performance in the wide shot, right? Then it gets to medium shot, her performance changes. It gets closer and closer and then to extreme close up and then there is nothing. It's just what's in the eyes and what's there. It's like, you need to understand that stuff because acting is acting, yes, but there's a lot to it. And you need to know when to use what. Uh, like I picked up a lot of these things from reading uh, Michael Caine's book, uh, dealing mm -hmm. with you know the acting and how to be on set. Uh, that's where I started to learn about these things and then I went on set. So at least I was a little bit prepared, but that, that's- makes a big it makes a big difference, right? Because it, it's all about the edit. So having, like when you're the director, you have to think about the edit during the shoot. And I know that, you know, like sometimes you hear this, it's sort of a cliche, but it is true, right? It's like, save it for the close-up, save it for the close-up. Because I know that on, in the wide, it's, it's really, it's just these sort of cutaways to get a sense of the larger action. But sometimes, especially when you play leads, there's some very emotionally intense scenes like you're like crying or screaming or like you get like there's so much emotion and you, you can't you, you don't want to like use it all up for shots that they're not even get really focused on your performance. They're just using that shot to see you walk through the doorway. Yeah, that's true. So um, I, it's, that's one of the reasons why I'm having these conversations so people can start picking up on that stuff and doing their mm -hmm. research and getting better at it. So what, uh, from the, you know, from the, that perspective, right? And the, the types of shots, what have you seen and what works for you in these emotional scenes of how do you preserve yourself enough and then have the things left for that, you know, or those takes where you really need them? So, I I guess I'm I'm very good at uh, scene construction. I understand why certain pieces of writing are there and what the intention is. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty cerebral, right? So I'm I'm very good at understanding. Okay, this is the writing. This is the scene. I see how they're shooting it, and I and then I'll kind of like uh, modify my approach per scene based on their objective. Mm -hmm. So for example, I played the male lead in the show called My Roommate's an Escort. I saw, uh, I didn't see the full episodes, but I saw some on your demo. Yeah, yeah so we shot season two in Sault Ste. Marie. Um, and I remember there was this one scene 
And it's, it's just, it was, it was in a way a very simple scene, right? I was just, I was on the phone and I finally this major thing happened. And then, and then it's, it's um, sort of fun functional, right? It's kind of like, Oh, that happens. And it, it pushes the plot along. But I knew that I was going to have to deliver it in such a fast manic way. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it was written in, it was like informational right yeah. but the information had to go like this and it and every sentence was a new discovery because oh my god this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened and it happened to ha happened had to be said very 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 quickly um so i knew that i needed to know those lines like the back of my hand the back of my hand the back of my hand because there's all this emotional stuff that's going to be open in the moment i cannot be thinking about the lines yeah. so i remember even when i did that I was like a crazy person. I would just say that it was like quite a lengthy little monologue and I would do it over and over and over again. So I'm getting away from everybody on set and it's like 20 minutes before we're shooting and people are kind of looking at me like, what's this guy doing? And I'm just going over it, over it. I probably did it 200 times in a row yeah. where it was just like breathing, 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 breathing. And then by the time they were like action, boom, it's like, I'm already in that space, mm -hmm. right? I'm already doing that quickness. I'm already in the thing. And I knew that if I didn't do that prep before, it wouldn't have had the urgency. It wouldn't have had the speed. It wouldn't have had the, the uh, you know, sort of intentionality. But it was like very mechanical. Yeah. Um, do you find, because this is what I find for myself, I want to know if, uh, if it's the same thing for others too. Do you find that when you're running lines over and over again, you get to a point where your brain kind of shuts down you know, and you don't remember lines anymore and you have to stop and then come back uh, you know, a short while after and then you're back again. Yes, but I do think you have to, mod like I say, you modify your approach because mm -hmm. in that instance, there were so many lines and, and it was like, there was so much information coming at me. I knew I had to like prep, 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 prep. There's other times where it's like there's not so many lines, um, but there's so many different organic things that has to happen where I will actually not memorize them at all mm. until, until like hair and makeup or like literally you do a couple of um, read-throughs. Usually what I find is other actors that you're in the scene with for film and television almost always you'll just go over whether they ask you to do it or not. And you know, you, you know, you want to know the lines, right? So you'll, even if it's stars of the show or unknowns or whomever, like usually what happens is people get together like, Hey, can we just go over this? So I know that if there's sort of like organic things that need to happen where, cause there is such a thing as being over rehearsed. Yeah. Um, I won't, I purposely will not prep so hard when there's more of a needed fluidity, um, especially if there's not a lot of lines. But I will say certain scenes are very text driven. Mm -hmm. And in those instances, I really do view it like a play, right? It's like, that's when you want the text completely out of the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I agree, because um, you want you want the words to just come up when they need to, uh, without mm -hmm. having to have a part of you be there thinking of the words and kind of, you know, measuring the responses. I see this, I'm going to get that answer, then I'll come up with this. But then you're not there. It just it doesn't feel right. right. Um, 
But there are times where I find the sort of spontaneous initial impressions to the text in character really make a difference. So, you know, now we do a lot of self tapes. Mm -hmm. And what I find is, is almost always my first take, regardless of preparation, is the best because I really don't know what I'm doing, right? So it's not like practiced. It's, it's a, I'm just, I'm more living and breathing because I'm like, I'm not exactly sure what's going to happen. And inevitably that take ends up being the best. Yeah. So look, when you're, if you're doing a big movie or TV show or something, like you can't just like, oh, let's see what happens if you, you're doing a fucking six page dialogue scene. Yeah. Um, but I do think you can split the difference, especially if you have less lines, yeah. uh, fewer lines, then I think it, making room for that spontaneity is part of the aesthetic. Yeah, and again, I mean, you, the first take will be a great take if you know the words before that. So you may not kind of feel it yet and you're exploring, but you already know the language. Uh, otherwise, you know, your first take is gonna be like, shit, let's do it again. I will say for me, um, I think what I'm really good at as an actor is being economical with takes. So I don't use takes as a way to learn the material, right? So if, if I haven't done so much text work because I want a bit of spontaneity to come out in the takes, uh, I still know them enough that I'm not thinking about the lines. Right. Yeah. Right. That's how it has to be. I agree. Um, yeah. Other things I wanted to know about uh, in terms of uh, in terms of Canada. So the hubs that I am aware of in Canada are Toronto and Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I have not spoken with any actors from French Canada, so I have no idea of what's happening on the French side. I would love to. Uh, I'm a big fan of French uh, cinema, but uh, I have not had an opportunity yet. So. Um, is Toronto and Vancouver basically where the majority of uh, work happens for you guys? For English Canada, certainly. Um, I will say, uh, like like the Quebecois side, like the French Canadians, their their industry is amazing. Like they 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 may be doing better than us. Like they really respect culture and language. So they also have like um, like a really strong distribution system set up with France and I guess uh, the entire French language. So actually you talk about Sujit. So we did a play called Tideline, mm -hmm. which was the English language premiere um, by a playwright named Wajdi Muad, who also was a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And it was a governor general winning play, right? So that was like the most prestigious drama award in Canada. We did the English language premiere. So if you go and buy the play, you'll see Sujit's name, my name. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like this like four hour play. But what was really interesting about that experience is, is that it had already won an international prize before we did it. Like, it, 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 like there's such a respect for this sort of poetic, experimental, epic. Like they, they really do love art in Quebec in a way that I don't think we do in English Canada. Like it's very, I find English Canada is very business oriented. It's almost like Hollywood light, like everybody wants to go to the US, but the Quebec artists are, are like, we're, they don't have no desire to go anywhere than where they are, right? And so they're just, they're like bleeding for their work. And it, I think it really comes across. 
Cool. And then uh, is there any kind of, uh, do you go back and forth? Is, is there an ability uh, for, uh, for the English uh, uh, Canadian actors to work in Quebec or you have to be French first? Um, I don't speak French, certainly not fluently. I mean, I studied in school as we all do, uh, mm -hmm. but certainly I'm not talented enough to perform that language. Um, other actors are, I mean, I think that, I think it's a question of language. If, if I think there's certainly some actors who are so fluent that they can go back and forth very easily between Quebec and English Canada. Um, I would say they're overwhelmingly the minority okay. for, for, I would I, it just in my sort of anecdotal observation, I would say 95 to 98% of actors in Canada are, are going to choose between those markets. It's not too many actors that are going back and forth. Thank you. And then from your side, again, having done acting, having done, you know, producing, having done uh, writing, is there one where you find that you're mostly doing that nowadays or you're still kind of having your toe in all the waters? I mean, I'm a sort of different kind of dude, I think. Like I, I don't know. Maybe again, my first play was called name it yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't like to be pigeonholed. Right. So I'm the kind of person where, you know, if I was to win an Oscar for best actor, I would immediately go and learn violin, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm very different. Um, for me, it's not about recognition, right. It's about challenge and artistic opportunity and perpetual growth. Mm -hmm. So I like, doing things that I shouldn't do or oh but people don't do it that way like it's like I like that challenge right it's like if I beat you in a sword fight with my right hand I immediately want to challenge you again with my left yep. yeah my son and I were doing that yesterday not with sword fighting but with table tennis so um, yeah. you know, I, I taught myself how to play with my left as I was teaching my son how to play so just to make sure that we could be at the same level now I can, I, he got to a point where he was beating me consistently uh, when I was playing with my left and he with his right. So I switched to my right and I hadn't played with my left for a while. And then my level with my right, you know, continued to rise. So now I'm at a point where I'm consistently beating him. So I switched back to my left. <laughs> so, no, it's I, brilliant, but that's what you need to do. And, and you can tell, right? Cause you're so curious intellectually, mm -hmm. which I think you need as an artist. Like I, and for me, I remember back even in theater school, um, you know, I never did classical text, right? I was always wanting to be in movies and TV shows and stuff. And then we did this thing called the junior project where you identify your um, performance weakness and you focus on it. And mine was classical text. And then I became so strong at classical text through that process. Um, I think I ended up doing pieces from Long Day's Journey at Tonight, Winnie for Godot and Hamlet. And then... At the end of um, the program, we graduate, we do this thing called the Theater Ontario Showcase where all the students basically perform two and a half minute monologues for the top theater companies and casting directors and agents in the city. And it's, it's a very overwhelming experience. Sure. You know, it, it, it's like, I, I don't know how many people, 500, 1,000 people who can kind of make or break your career, right, in your mind yeah. are all here and you have two and a half minutes to impress them. And I remember... I graduated with 25 people and I was the only person selected by Soul Pepper, which was one of the 
most important classical theater companies in Canada. And they plucked me out of that showcase because of the strength of my classical text to perform for the professional company. And for me, and I didn't get the role, but I ended up getting that opportunity was, was very uh, poignant for me because that had been my acting weakness. And I had worked on it so much that it became an overwhelming strength. Very cool. Yeah, it uh, goes to say a lot about you. I like that. Um, is there something that people do not know about you? I know you're a really open person. Um, I'm very volatile emotionally. Okay. Like extremely. Um, I think that, I mean, you know, the closest friends of my life know that. Um, I'm, I don't, I think people can get a sense of it, but I will say for social media, I do try and I am very authentic. I am very genuine. Um, I, those times where I'm like sobbing and crying, I'm not necessarily streaming that. <laughs> I'm like typing, hey guys. You know, like, um, so I'm not so transparent with that, but I am a deeply emotional person. I'm also deeply cerebral, um, but I'm also like deeply emotional I, I get it I'm, I'm similar in that regard and by the way what I'm doing right now I there is a part of me that really is bothered by it because I remember watching Oprah and anytime that she would talk to somebody she would go in and she would say yeah I'm, I'm like that too and she would go into her own story and I would want to just hear more about the guest and now that I'm an interviewer I'm doing the same thing so Oprah I, I'm learning from you um, but I, I had this conversation with my kids uh, a few days ago where they're like, dad, you're taking things too hard. I'm like, yeah, I am. Because when it comes to the people who I love, uh, I'm taking everything raw. And what you say and what you don't do when you're supposed to do it, kids, um, it, it hurts. Uh, maybe it shouldn't. Maybe I should be ma monitoring my emotions better. But that's the way I am at the moment. You can't. I mean, I think, I don't know, but I think that's the artistic sensibility, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's times, you know, where I'll, I'll just like watch a movie or, you know, have a thought or eat a bite of food. And, and um, it's like, I get shattered emotionally because it's like four different things, yeah. you know, are conjured up. But I think that that's partly just being an open and artistic person. And if you do not, access that part of you like you cannot serve the work the way that's required that's yeah. so there you go kids uh, that's just the way daddy is because i'm an artist that's, <laughs> that's it <laughs> daddy loves you it's just he's got a big audition tomorrow <laughs> it, we're, we're nuts Let, let's that's what i said at the beginning and uh that's the way i love it um, very cool. Well, I guess the last thing for you before we say goodbyes and I sure. say thank you is if you had a chance to, uh, to go, uh, into a time machine and talk to a, um, you know, a young version of you, uh, who is just starting Maybe. acting, what one piece of advice would you give? Um, just be who you are. It's okay to make mistakes. Um, the only judgment that matters is, is the judgment you have of yourself. Yeah. yeah. I think that as we, as artists, 
we're our own worst enemy. Um, I think that, you know, it's an interesting career and I've been interviewed over 300 times, right? So you, you get a lot of validation, but you also get a lot of rejection. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to not get too high or too low, which, you know, is difficult when we're as sensitive and deeply emotional as we are. Um, but you have to understand that whether you get a job, or you don't get a job, or you win the war, or you don't get a war. There's all these things, you know, I've worked with celebrities, I've had documentaries done about me. Um, I've also not worked for years, like you have to, you have to understand that that's not um, reflective of, of who you are. That's just, that's just a job. Yeah, that's the part of the industry. And yeah. we love it. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thanks. Bobby. It's, uh, it's really been a pleasure uh, talking to you. You know, come on down. I, I know both you and I are not kidding. So uh, once things open up, you know, hey, hit me up. We're, we're here. Giordano's, man. Actually, I have another friend in Chicago. We can all hang out. Very cool. Uh, absolutely. That would be great. And by the way, I never thanked, uh, you know, uh, Pete uh, for, uh, for hooking this up. So Pete, if you're still watching this. Uh, I love Pete Beats. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks to everybody for, uh, for tuning in to another episode of The Love of Acting. I know you love it as much as we do, and that's why we enjoy doing this for you. Thank you.